Being a Better Man, episode 152. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Storytime with Alf. Storytime is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. I was a hungry kid. Not because my parents didn't take good care of me, they did. It was just that I seemed to have been born with an unnatural appetite and a metabolism to go along with it. So, as a result, I was always hungry. It started when I was a baby. My mother told stories about having to feed me every 20 minutes around the clock for the first four years of my life. I don't know if she was exaggerating or not. I don't really remember. But my unusual eating habits followed me all through childhood, through adolescence, and into adulthood. Everyone in my family has a story about me eating. At a neighbor's barbecue one summer, I ate an estimated 22 chickens in a five-hour period. We would go to all-you-can-eat places, and I would just continue eating long after my family was done. It was a little embarrassing for them. As an adult, I once ate six Big Macs on the way to work. I simply could not get full, and luckily my body seemed efficient in making use of all those extra calories because I wasn't overweight either. Fortunately for my parents, we lived on a farm and raised the majority of our own food. Otherwise, we would have been in poverty. But our freezer was always full of meat, and my mom had a big garden, and she would can produce to eat during the winter. I could often be found out in the garden, eating corn right off the stalk or filling my pockets with carrots I'd just dug up. We also had around 15 fruit trees that kept me going. As a small boy, I often wore bib overalls. I liked them because they had a lot of pockets, and I would fill every pocket with some kind of food from our house or the garden or the fruit trees, and I would just eat as I walked around. And then when the pockets were empty, I would go reload. My mother had started hiding food out of necessity. I would eat all the cereal in one sitting. Snacks and other goodies didn't stand a chance. And if I found them, I would eat them. So my mom started hiding things that she wanted to last. I was good at finding things, though. It became kind of a game for me. There were only so many places to hide stuff in the house. There was a little space between the kitchen cupboards and the ceiling. It was just big enough for my nine-year-old body to slip into. One day I was crawling along in this space by the ceiling looking for food that my mother had hidden when I came across something on a cookie sheet wrapped in tinfoil. I knew it had to be food. Some food was strictly off limits and I knew it. My mom made extra money baking cakes for people because she had a great imagination and she was a really good decorator. I knew if this was one of these cakes that I would not be able to eat it, but I might be able to just have a small piece. As I was peeling up the corner of the tinfoil to see what was under it, my mother walked into the kitchen. She shrieked 
and then collapsed into a chair and started crying hysterically. That was not the response I had anticipated. Normally, she would have just snatched me down, swatted my butt, and sent me outside. But she was really very upset, and I became worried. I scrambled down off the cupboard and went to her, asking what was wrong. Through her tears, she was saying that I saw it, and that she was a terrible mother, and other things like that that didn't make any sense to me. I tried to assure her that I had not seen anything, and that she was a good mom, but she was inconsolable. Eventually, I was able to piece together why she was so upset. She was embarrassed of the cake. When she realized I hadn't seen the cake yet, she felt a little better, but she knew that now she would have to tell me about it anyway, because she knew my curiosity would not be satisfied otherwise. She got the cake down, but before she unwrapped it, she tried to explain. She told me there was a young woman that was getting married, and her friends were throwing her a bachelorette party. As kind of a joke, they had ordered a cake shaped like a man's parts. Yes, it was a penis cake, and that is why she was so embarrassed for me to find it. This was around 1971, and women of my mom's generation were very modest, and she had never even owned a two-piece bathing suit. Sex was still a taboo in many circles, and that was the case for my mother. She was relieved that I was not horrified. I actually thought it was kind of funny and a little bit gross. She unwrapped the cake, and she had not gotten very far. It was still just a cake, a long part, with two round parts at the other end. Then she confessed to me that she didn't know how to decorate it. Even though she had three children, she acted as though she didn't know where to begin. Then her eyes lit up as she had an idea. She said, since I already knew about it, that maybe I could help her. I was always eager to take on a new creative adventure. I decided I would help my mom make the best penis cake there ever was. She very seriously instructed me that I wasn't to speak of this cake with anyone else. It was too embarrassing, and she didn't think other people would understand. This was between me and her, and I agreed to her request. Then I went into action. I told her we needed flesh-colored frosting, blue frosting, red frosting, and some purple frosting. I also said we needed some shredded coconut. She was confused by the red and blue frosting. I told her to trust me. She didn't realize that these would eventually become veins. The shredded coconut, dyed brown with chocolate, would become hair. I'll give you one guess what the purple was for. Mom made the frostings I requested and then stood back and let me work. I transformed this delightful dessert into a graphic display of epic proportions, probably more graphic than the customer expected. The final product was obscene, even to me. But there was a deadline and there was no time to start over. My mom delivered the cake and she said they were thrilled with it. It exceeded all of their expectations. It was fun to work with my mom on a secret project. I felt like I was of some real value to her and it felt good. I felt as if I had elevated in her eyes somewhat because we had acted as colleagues and she noticed my competence. Afterward, we agreed to never speak of the penis cake again, and we didn't. 
until after I was grown up, of course. She would still get embarrassed any time it came up. I had a lot of fun retelling the story at family gatherings and watched my mom get all flustered, but she enjoyed the story and the laughter as well. And that's the end of this story. The whole experience served to deepen my bond between me and my mom, but the primary lesson I came away with was about cooperation. Even though I was a kid, I got to experience cooperation for the first time. My voice was heard and acknowledged, my opinions were valued, and we worked together to create something. The fact that what we created was a penis cake is just kind of funny. It could have been anything, though. It set the stage for a lifetime of projects that I worked on with my mom. Costumes, school projects, science projects, and even landscaping our yard. She was a good partner, my mom, and I miss her a lot. The things she did for me and with me continue to bless my life in many ways. One of those things was learning how to cooperate, to work together with someone else. The other lesson here is that everything we share with other people matters. My mom probably didn't realize at the time that she was giving me a skill I could use later on in life. So it pays to remember, especially with children, that everything we do matters. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad signing out.